What's going on? Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I have an unbelievable episode for you today with the Inner Circle member, Sarah. She's incredible, and as you can tell from the title, she has lost over 100 pounds and stopped binge eating. Now, in this conversation, she shares how she was able to do that, all the steps she took to be able to lose over 100 pounds and stop binge eating. She's also been able to maintain it for a number of years, so she, she shares how she's been able to maintain it. And near the end of the conversation, we go through some more strategies that will also help her continue to maintain it and maybe even lose a little bit more going forward. So I think you're going to like this episode a lot. If you do, please leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening. It helps a lot. If you'd like to join the Inner Circle, you can do that at the link in the show notes, www.sfinnercircle.com. With that said, let's get into the conversation. Sarah, we are live. How are you? Good. How are you? I am very good. I'm very excited about this. I've been looking forward to this for for a minute. How is everything? How's your new year so far? So far, so good. Um, it's been, you know, boring, but uneventful. You know, that's sort of January, getting into tax season. <laughs> oh, don't remind me. Please do not remind me. That is the, the worst. It's the worst when you're a business owner, too. <laughs> oh, it really is. I've always thought that I've always thought that it would be so, I mean, obviously it'd be less convenient for people, but it would be great if everyone had to do it, like at least for like one or two years, like they had to like write a check for their taxes because it's different when it's automatically taken out. But when like you're required to write that check every year, oh my God, it's awful. Yes, I've done it. I've always done it. I've always worked for myself. So what do you do for work? I am a career pet groomer, a dog and cat groomer, and I have always been either self-employed or a business owner in that, That's amazing. In that field. Do you yeah. like it? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm really, I'm good at it and, and I enjoy it a lot. That's amazing. That's what I've now, always, I started when I was 17. I started actually my, my senior year of high school. Wow. Good for you. That's incredible. Yeah. And, I and knew, how old are I you now? I was. I'm, I just turned 40 in August. That's amazing. Wow. So you've been doing yeah. this for, for like 23 years. Forever. <laughs> it feels like. <laughs> yeah. I always knew. I always knew I would work it with animals in some capacity. I just didn't know that I would find what I was good at and what I was meant to do so early, like so quickly. What a blessing. So, it's so it's so yeah. great to have that. And now, yeah. do, you, do you do quarterly taxes or do you do it annually? Um, I do, well, I do quarterly, I pay in, you know, the business is its own entity. And then I, you know, I pay myself and it, you know, my accountant could explain it to you better than I could, but <laughs> you know, I pay, I pay in quarterly for myself and then quarterly payroll for the business. So yeah, it's, it's quarterly, but, um, you know, that's always, uh, and then sales <laughs> tax and all those other things. <laughs> It's so funny. I remember the first year I had my business, I remember <laughs> I, I I didn't make much money. Like, it was not a livable wage. Like the first year I had my, my online business, like I was still doing a lot of in-person coaching and all of that. And I remember when I was speaking to my tax guy, his name's Tom and he he's in Boston. I was still living in Boston at the time and I still have the same tax guy, but I remember he, you know, he did my taxes for me and he told me how much I owed. And it, I remember like, 
I barely had Shock. that much left in my bank account. And I was like, hold on. I was like, I think you made a mistake, Tom, because <laughs> that that's a lot of the money that I have. And and he laughed and he just replied. He was like, yeah, welcome to paying taxes. I was like, this is yeah. completely, it was a huge blow. Like I had no idea that. And then yeah. every year I'm equally surprised. Like the surprise never goes away. No, and and I always remember being like, "What's a refund? I don't, I don't know what, what's that. I don't know what it is. But I don't get that. <laughs> I, don't, I certainly do not. It's it's usually, <laughs> hey, you underestimated. You owe us more. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. So, yeah, that's funny. Well, and and so, where are you based out of? I am uh, born and raised in the Tampa Bay area in Florida. Oh, amazing! And so you're still in Florida. Yeah. I am. Yep. Um, and the business that I, that I have here in Florida, uh, I have, that's always business that I've worked at. I'm one of those weird, rare butterflies. Like I have always, I, I started there in high school. I apprenticed there and then I took over the business when I was 19 and, um, have been there ever since. And it's moved a few times and I've just, you know, built it up a little and, that is so and, rare. That is so yeah. rare, it's especially yeah. nowadays, but in general. I don't like, advertise. I'm word of mouth. Like, yeah, no, I'm very proud of that. I, as you should be. I, I very much believe a, a, a great business is defined by, by word of mouth. Like, if you have a word of mouth business, you know you have a great business because you can't survive if you're not good. You you can't yeah. survive on a word of mouth business if you are not very good. It it will eventually fail. So for you to be able to do this for so long speaks volumes to how good you actually are at it. Yeah. Well, and I often say too, like I feel like my, you know, my business was always very tied to my health and wellness goals in recent years too, because I love it and I don't want to lose it. And doing what I do is very physical and it requires, you know, it requires me to be moving and on my feet all the time. And, and that was, you know, uh, you know, I've lost a lot of weight and being very heavy doing what I do. It was, it was jeopardizing what I do. So um, that was a big impetus for me to like drop a ton of weight. So that's, I know, I know that's part of what you wanted to talk about today. So could you just walk me through that? Sorry, you, you lost over a hundred pounds, right? Yes. Um, well, and I was, uh, you know, I don't know how far back you want to go. I was, I you was, could go back as far back as, as far as you want from, from birth, was, if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't, I, I mean, I was a little chubby baby, but <laughs> you're a little chubby, you're a little chubby baby. <laughs> oh, she's so chubby. I love it. She's so chubby. I know. And that was me too. But I mean, that wasn't really my weight issue. It didn't start until I was like, maybe like 10 or 11. I, I tell people, I'm like, I was put on my first diet when I was 11 years old. So my okay. weight issue started really young. And it was one of those things where, you know, I, my mom had her own weight issues. So I'm sure that had something to do with it. But I also it coincided with, I was an active kid when I was really little. And then I found a love of like reading and entertainment that was more sedentary in nature. So that shift when I was like nine, 10 years old kind of had me more, you know, sitting a lot more and doing less actively. And then I started eating more and picking up weight. I think that's when the emotional eating started for me in my mm. childhood. 
So that was, and then of course it became a thing, you know, it was like the doctor was like, oh, she has to lose weight. And my parents were like, she has to lose weight. And, and I was, I was, you know, I was definitely a little, I was, I was overweight for sure, but I was also still growing, you know? And so, um, it was one of those things that, you know, what, I don't ever blame my parents. They didn't really know what to do, you know, but I was dragged kicking and screaming to Weight Watchers when I was like 10, <laughs> like almost 11. So that was the beginning of that. That was like kind of the beginning of like the yo-yo cycle of my life until I hit like 32. So that I've done every diet, every diet under the sun. That was also the beginning of binge eating. I had like severe binge eating all through my childhood and my adulthood. Can you talk about that? There's a lot of people, I get questions all the time about binge eating and what it's like. And I know many people have heard me talk about it from my perspective, but could you talk about like what you struggled with through binge eating? Well, um, you know, it was uh, most, it was emotional eating. And I, and I said, as an adult, I didn't really understand that I was such an emotional eater. I think I was in a lot of denial about it. I just was like, I just like food. You know, it wasn't until recently even that I realized like, oh, this is not, what I do is not like a, a normal thing. This is, mm. you know, there was a lot of secret eating. There were severe episodes of any time, you know, where there was definitely reactive, like rebound binge eating after severe restriction. There was a lot of that because I did do a lot of diets, every diet under the sun medically supervised, non-medically supervised, all of the trendy diets, you know, all of them lost huge amounts of weight and regained it and more very quickly all throughout my life. And there was always, it was never any thought of maintaining. It was just immediately regaining. And it was with binge eating. I mean, I know that now that I was binge eating and secret eating and all of that. I didn't really understand it then that like, hiding in a closet and stuffing food as in your face as much as you can is not something that most people do. And, you know, my mom also had her issues with food. So some of this I learned from her too. Um, you know, she modeled some of those behaviors, you know, unintentionally. It was just like, okay, we diet and then we, you know, we'll have a cheat day. And then a cheat day becomes like several days and weeks and months and you know, and then it became more of an emotional thing that I, I did as a coping mechanism, anything in my life, anxiety, stress, excitement, happiness, celebration, anything was food. And it was as much food as quickly as you can, and not where anybody can see you. And to the point of pain, like I would put myself in extreme discomfort, and I would do it repeatedly day in and day out for weeks and months at a time sometimes. So like, I don't, I tell people it, it's kind of hard to describe if you've never experienced it, it's compulsive. It feels very compulsive. Like you just can't even, you feel like you can't stop yourself. Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah. It, it literally feels like you can't stop. Like, and, and the crazy part is the, the, juxtaposition because in your mind you're like I want to stop I want to stop I want to stop but like as your hand is going to your mouth it, it literally feels like you can't it's very difficult to describe if you and to to understand if you've never gone through it well and you feel very shameful I always did that's what I tell people a lot of times when you 
you kind of know, I was never formally diagnosed with binge eating disorder, but when I look back on it, I don't think there's any doubt that I had. It was yeah. it went beyond. It went beyond just some disordered eating or a brief period of binge eating. It was years of my life, compulsive behavior, and it was beyond a few binges. It was sometimes, like I said, it would go on for days, weeks, I, repetitively, and then there was just extreme shame. You know, like I felt there's something wrong with me. Why am I so stupid? Why can I not fix this? What's wrong with me? You know? Right. So. Yeah. It's like, why, why can't I control this? Like, why can't I stop? Like it, I know a lot of people, myself included when I was binge eating, like well over a decade ago, it would be all day. I would be great. I, I would do really well. I'd have a great day of nutrition, but like around nighttime is where it just went all went to shit and I just lost all control. And every day I was like, why can I not get control of this? It, it can be really a very shameful. And, and especially, I know you had mentioned you were doing a lot of it in secret. That's, I think it, it magnifies the shame, right? Because you're doing it in secret deliberately because you feel shameful and then you keep doing it, you keep doing it and it just magnifies over and over and over again. Well, yes. And I, I wore the evidence of what I did on my body. You know, I didn't, I, I, I don't, I wasn't, you know, maybe people didn't know that I was doing this massive binge eating, but clearly I was not, you know, I was eating a lot of food at some point in time and binging for me was, um, it wasn't just in the evening. I could, I could plan these out from morning till evening. And sometimes it would be all day long. Like mm. I was very, very like the kind of textbook, you know, like this is, I mean, I mean, binge eating is, you know, disordered eating of different kinds. They are different for different people, but I would say I was like, I fit the definition to a T for, yeah. you know, like there would be times, honestly, the only time in my life that I ever remember never binge eating are times when I was dieting and I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to lose this weight and. And that's what I'm going to do. And I would usually be successful for a while. And then, of course, it would all go out the window. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So so can I ask, how did you how did you stop binge eating? Like, and actually, you know, it's I'm actually interested, which came first, like losing 100 pounds or nixing the binge eating? Like, it's sort of like a chicken or the egg thing. Like, which which came first? Well, I did them simultaneously. <laughs> well, that's it. So, could you talk about that? Like what, yeah. how did you, what, like, I'm just going to let you, you, you take the, you take the reins. Yeah. I, I always, I jokingly say I'm a double unicorn because I've lost, you know, a huge amount of weight and have been maintaining it for a while now. And I also overcame binge eating and I did them together. <laughs> that's a, that's a triple so, quadruple unicorn. That's, yeah. that's, uh, it's truly remarkable. I did it very slowly. I, when I really um, kind of, you know, it was like, it was a period of time, maybe around like 20, 2014, 2015, I found a group on Facebook called Eating the Food. And it was like an eating disorder kind of recovery group, but that's not all they do. They just kind of talk about like normalizing foods, you know, moderation, you know, fitness, overall health and wellness, you know, evidence-based, all evidence-based. And that kind of is where I got started with learning to kind of stop demonizing foods for myself because I had a lot of all or nothing thinking. I had a lot of, you know, well, I'm either doing something about this or I'm not, you know? And so I did, 
I joined that group. I met actually a personal trainer in there who introduced me to the thought of the concept of habit-based fat loss. So I I was learning these things kind of at the same time. Um, I did go through a little period of time where I let go of the idea of weight loss because I, I fell down, you know, I don't want to hit any hot button topics, but it wasn't as big then as it is now. I fell down that rabbit hole of fat acceptance and I was just like, okay, this is who I am. This is what Mm. I'm going to be. And I can't change it. (laughs) You know, like I just can't do anything about this and i'm just not gonna i just don't want to gain any more weight but i'm just gonna stay how i'm gonna stay how i am and i I think that was probably there was some binging still going on there but i was kind of learning that whole like okay well i'm allowing some of these foods a little more i'm normalizing some of these foods so that helped me a little bit to kind of let go of some of the more extreme binging um So there was some of that going on. And then I was like, okay, but you know, I'm also learning, like, I want to be more fit. And so I spent about a year of the whole, like, okay, this is just where I'm at, how I am. I can't change it. And then I was like, who am I kidding? I have to change this. I, I can't continue. I was in pain all the time. I was, you know, I hadn't, to my knowledge, I hadn't hit 300 pounds, but I was very close and I'm like five foot, almost five foot six. So I was, um, you know, very heavy for me. I'm being on my feet all day. I was just in pain all the time. And I was like, I have to figure this out. I have to figure this out. Um, No matter how long it takes me, I have to figure this out. And so I switched. And that around that time, too, I found um, Half Size Me, Heather Robertson. And that's when I found Susan. Mm, And so, okay. Yeah. So Susan had coached Heather um, for a while. And I, I like was learning things about more things about like, okay, sustainable habit change. And how can I do things now that are just going to improve my habits? What can I do right now? How can I meet myself where I'm at? And I always had to like, you know, I was still coming around to the idea of like, I'm a binge eater. What does that look like for me? And like, learn what that looked like for me, what my patterns were, why I binge ate. Because I had to, first, I had to stop being in denial about it because I was, I was kind of in denial that I had this issue. Um, And so I had to kind of accept it and then say, okay, this is a big source of my weight gain and my problem of weight, you know, not being able to lose weight and keep it off. So that has to be worked on. But I also felt like I needed to do something sort of, impactful in the beginning to take some weight off um so that's where i started i just that's really kind of what pulled me through the majority of my weight loss was just what are the habits that i can incorporate into my life to help me help me get where i want to go you know like what are things i always tell people i started with doing my dishes every day and cleaning up my kitchen and that was going to help me get to meal planning. And I was not a very good housekeeper. So that is where <laughs> I started, honestly. <laughs> I was like, if my kitchen's not clean, how am I supposed to cook food? So it was truly like barn, like ground zero. I had to start from the ground up. And that's what got me going like that. And then like every along the way, little stuff like that, you know, I would see some weight loss little bits at a time. And then when binge eating would rear its ugly head, I would have to pause 
and like sort myself through it and deal with it and like work on it. And there was a lot of journaling. There was a lot of, you know, I had to kind of work on the kindness and self-compassion because I was very mean to myself. I was very Mm. mean to myself and I had to stop doing that. (laughs) I had to. So that was, that was how I got started. I mean, did you just come up with that on your own in terms of, hey, I'm going to start with just cleaning my my kitchen, making sure my dishes are done? Did you make that up by yourself? Um, You know, I honestly don't remember. I just remember listening to Heather talk about habit change. And I remember um, that was also one of the things that, um, you know, the the fat loss, fat loss coach, um, he was a personal trainer named Sean Flanagan. He actually just passed away last year. Oh, so, I'm uh, sorry. The year before last. Yeah. Um, he was so, he was so good at that. And he had really, I, I think I, I might've even gotten that from him. Like he kind of helped me brainstorm about like what's standing in your way of like, where do we need to start you so that you can start doing some of these things for yourself at home? Like, you know, if you come home and you don't have food prepared, what was the reason? And like, let's Mm. start there. So there was, you know, there was, I I can't really remember because it was so long ago, but I just remember thinking, well, you know, two things that I can work on that are really like, you know, um, I I had to meet myself where I was at. And I was really at like, I felt like I couldn't do anything. I needed to find, figure out what could I do right now that I can do without resentment for the, because I had such a bad relationship with like losing weight and dieting from all of my you know attempts prior all yeah. my childhood you know I I, I tell people they, they always want to know like what did you do did that I'm like god I wish I could you know tell you it was not it was not one thing it was so many things I didn't you know I couldn't count calories in the beginning because it just messed me up it messed with mm. my head so you know I, I couldn't do that in the beginning I had to you know, just be mindful. I had to learn some, what was mindful eating? What was it going to look like for me? You know? And I also, I always tell people, you know, as far as activity went, I was, I had a physical job. So I was on my feet a lot and I was in a lot of pain. So I couldn't really do a ton right off the bat for that. I would, I would tell myself, okay, well, how about we start by going out and walking to the mailbox every day and getting the mail? Because I wasn't even doing that outside of work. I was just like, I'll get it when I drive by in my car. So I, stopped doing- <laughs> so I stopped doing that. I was like, no, we're not allowed to get the mail anymore with the car. We have to walk out there and get it. So, you know, like that's what I tell people. I'm like, it sounds so, so simple, but it was really like, that was just like that little bit of like leverage to build some self-efficacy. Like, yeah, okay, this is easy. I'm doing this now. Now what else can I do? Like all that low hanging fruit, you know, like, okay, I'm making food now. What else can I do? You know, my kitchen's clean every day. What else can I do? So that was truly like where it started for me. And I learned, I learned that from just, you know, a couple coaches like Heather and, and um, Sean. And that was really, that was like, you know, probably 2017 is when I really started that. I I um, love that. I love that for so many reasons, you know, uh, for a couple of things. Number one is, you know, I've been doing this as you know, since I was 14, like you and I are similar in that sense. Like I got involved in fitness and coaching at 14 and, um, I've never ever heard anybody say, Hey, you know, like I've been to many, you know, continuing education certifications and hundreds of books and scientific papers. I've never heard anyone say, Hey, it would be a good idea for your clients to start with cleaning their kitchen. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's I've never yeah. had any in any course I've taken and it's never been something and I know for a fact that the if if I took someone on as a one-on-one client and I was like, "Hey, all right, so the first thing you're going to do for the first month is just clean your kitchen." They'd be like, "This is what the fuck I'm paying you for? Like get out of here." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like most yeah. people would be like, "Absolutely not." But yep. it's such a great piece under- of advice. You underestimate how much my house looked like a squatter lived here, you know? Like, I was a disaster. If your kitchen's not clean, then, like, how are you able to prepare food? And if you're not yep. able to ever prepare food, then you're immediately at a disadvantage. Immediately. Because preparing food is one of the easiest ways to help, you know, keep your nutrition in check on a more regular basis. I mean, I love it. And then, you know, going to get the mail. You know, it's like, it's literally just down your driveway, but it yeah. makes a difference. People hear people like, like p- people make parody videos of me on social media being like, this guy says walking is exercise, right? It's like <laughs> people actually think that, that, that doesn't count. People think that parking further away doesn't make a difference. People would think that walking to the mailbox doesn't matter. It does. And so it much does. of what you're saying is not only based on the the immediate impact of that one thing, but just the behaviors, like you were saying, the behaviors that it instills and the patterns of those behaviors, that's what allows for this long-term success to happen. And you were saying this happened in about 2017? That was really, I mean, it was it was kind of the, I say 2017 was the beginning of losing weight and actually keeping it off. I didn't lose it all in 2017. I didn't lose it. The 100 pounds came off over the course of, 2017 to about you know late 2019 early 2020 um wow it it was in spurts and starts and there were long breaks sometimes intentional sometimes unintentional it was usually an unintentional break somewhat either interrupt interrupted weight loss interrupted by a binge or by you know like working through binge eating or it was just um okay, whatever I'm doing is not working for me. I just need a break mentally and Mm. physically. I'm going to take a break. I had learned about uh, around, I don't remember when I found Lane Norton and I had learned about diet breaks um, from Mm. watching some of his content. And, um, and then Heather talked about that too. Like you maintaining, like learn how to maintain. Hopefully the goal is to maintain the majority of your life, figure out how that's going to look for you. So practice. You know, so mm. I was like, well, maybe I need to work on that. <laughs> you know, I would like to keep off what I lose. So yeah. maybe I need to work on that. Um, so, yeah, there were definitely some breaks. And I, um, like I said, it was not always intentional. Sometimes it was just like, oh, my, I, okay, this is not working. I'm I'm taking one step forward, one step back. One, and it would be a lot of like, you know, loss and gain, loss and regain, loss and regain. And then I would just, I would just be like, okay, I need a break. Like, I need to actually take a break on purpose because this is not working. And then I would get some, you know, traction again and feel like, okay, I can, I can do this again. Um, and honestly, the last leg of my, the majority of my weight loss, I did kind of quickly because I had, um, a trip in 2019 with friends, uh, to, I went twice to, uh, Peru to go hiking with friends and, uh, they were living down there temporarily for a while. And I was going to visit and I was like, okay, it's time to get serious. <laughs> if I'm going to be going and doing a lot yeah. of active stuff, I really want to feel, I want to feel better when I go there. I want to feel like I can keep up. So, um, that was, uh, and then, and, and we did, we did a big, um, in September or August of 
2019, we did a big hiking trip in Coca Canyon to go see um, the Peruvian condors, the la- largest bird. Wow. <laughs> It was very cool. It was very cool. That was, was that emotional that was, for you to be able to do something like that? It was. You know, I felt so accomplished and I saw things that I never would have been able to see had I not gotten to where I was because, you know, I had been working on my fitness too, but that didn't, I don't feel like the fitness piece came as much until after that and really like more recently. But I still, just by virtue of losing that much weight, I, could do a lot more than I could prior, you know, just yeah. physically. And not be in pain, I would imagine, or as much pain. Yeah, not in as much pain. You know, you do, I I, I say now, I'm like, there. you don't um, get away with carrying that much extra weight without some dings in your yeah. body. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are some things that I deal with that I will probably always deal with to some capacity just because of, that you know my knees are 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 for shit and i you know i have i've always had foot issues and those were not helped by by being carrying around you know an extra hundred pounds and more more than that so yeah can can i ask you 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 said how you know you would shame yourself and and you were not nice to yourself which i think is is very common not just in in weight loss but i think in general most people tend to be their own harshest critic and can be i think their own inner voice is is often the worst voice in their life um mm-hmm. could you talk about how you were cuz you were saying things like um, some of the, the diet breaks, for example, that you would take, some of them were not intentional. Like they, they would happen just by circumstance. And I know in those moments, that's where a lot of the negative self-talk and, and bad voices come in that can really get to you. Can you talk about how you were able to transition from having this negative, mean, overly critical voice in your head to not having that, to a voice that was more, uh, productive and helpful to you? Yeah, um, I am not someone who journals routinely. I don't enjoy it. I have never enjoyed it, but I forced myself to do it. Um, mm. and, it and it helped me a lot. It helped me with the self-awareness. It helped me with even recognizing that I was being so mean to myself because I thought this is just, this just helped you talk to yourself. I mean, that's just how people are. You have to be mean to yourself. You're never going to get anywhere if you don't like (laughs) push yourself there, you know, like that's just, and I don't even think I was aware a lot of times that I was like that to myself. Um, Journaling really helped me. And, and what got me started with journaling? um, Again, I don't remember exactly what made me think of it to do it, but I, I started, um, I didn't name it for what it was until later, but I created um, a, what I called a post binge plan and my post binge plan. And I, and I took like snippets of things that I had learned all over the internet and from people like Heather Robertson and people that I had read things about and um, different intuitive eating concepts and things like that. I had I realized, okay, well, I need a plan for after I binge and it needs to be something that stops the binge. So what am I going to do? And so what that was for me was within 24 hours, generally speaking, the next day, the next morning, I'm going to journal. Immediately after I 
uh, immediately after a binge, I would plan my next meal normally. I would not restrict. And then, um, so I would plan my next meal. I would tell myself, you deserve to eat a meal, a normal meal, sit down and have a normal meal that you can plan. That's like whatever you want, even if it is a binge food that you want, plan it, sit down, have it. And then the next, when I felt like I could look at what was going on, like my behavior and be honest without feeling bad about it, I would go back and reflect. What was I thinking? What was I feeling? What were the thoughts going through my head? What was, was it a reaction to something? Was it just straight up anxiety? Because I've, I've always been an anxious person. So a lot of times it was just straight up anxiety about who knows what. I did a lot of future worrying about things. I did, you know, you name it, I worried about it. <laughs> it was lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would sit down and I would just free write. And I would just be surprised at some of the, the things that I thought and that would just come out. I mean, I would just start writing and I would be like, wow, that's not very nice. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I would never say this to somebody else that I cared about. Why do I say this to myself? So, um, yeah. And from there, I just learned to kind of, okay, with that came the self-awareness when I could recognize that what I was doing. Then I would say like, well, how about, how about we figure out what we did well? How about we write down all the things that we're doing right? And what in this whole thought process is actually factual and something I have control over? And what about it is just crap that I'm telling myself to freak myself out, you know, mm. like, and then, and then how can we turn this around and be a little bit kinder? Because I don't, I don't want to say this to a friend. I would never say some of the stuff I say to myself to a friend. So, you know, like it was not helpful criticism. <laughs> it was not constructive in any way. It was just mean. It was just meanness. So, um, you know, I, that's really what kind of got me to be self-aware enough to recognize it so that I could hear it when I did it. Because mm. I, I couldn't, I couldn't hear it when it was happening until I started writing it down. And then I was like, wow, all of a sudden I see all these things for what they are. And I hear all these things as they go through my head and I catch them. That was the next piece. I had to learn to catch myself in the midst of it and say like, no, no, we're not doing that. No, <laughs> that is that's, helpful. That's the interesting part is like most people, just like you said, they don't even know that they're speaking to themselves, themselves that way. It's just like they have that internal voice, that internal dialogue and it's just, it's constantly playing. It's sort of like if you have the radio playing in the background, eventually you, you don't really hear it anymore, but it's still there. It's like you have this constant, this this uh, tape playing in the background of you just being negative. But until you write it down, until you become aware of it, it's very difficult to actually to to comprehend it and know what's being said. So then to to sit down, write it, and then see it, in your face, like, holy shit, I'm having all these conversations in my head, all this like terrible self-talk. Then once you're aware of it, now you can start to catch it, but it's a process. Sometimes I even, I jokingly would tell people, um, I talk out loud to myself sometimes because I have to, because it would almost snap me out of it. In the beginning, I would sometimes just be like, whoa, Sarah, what are you doing? You know, like, no, no, <laughs> like I, actually have like I'm sure I looked completely insane to people sometimes because I was just like you know I have to 
I have to bring it out loud. Like sometimes it would be, that's what I needed to even actually acknowledge that it was happening and get it out of my head. So, um, dad was another little trick that I, that I used to do. So how, so after you, you, you started cleaning the kitchen, walking to the mailbox, journaling, what was the next step? Like what was the, the next stepping stone in the process to losing the weight? Um, well, I really started, um, becoming more of a meal planner. I started, and I actually never minded meal planning. I know some people are, you know, I don't like meal planning and they think they have to have, that was the other thing I had to let go of that. Like, I know, I love how you're like, shut up. You're not a perfectionist. If you were a perfectionist <laughs> in, <laughs> in everything, you know, but no, you're only a perfectionist. This is one thing I thought of myself as a perfectionist in that way. I had a lot of like all or nothing black and white. I was like, I am never going to be that person who has Instagram worthy meal plans. I am a one pot, one pan, you know, I, you know, and I also began kind of working on the idea of, you know, you can eat the same thing most days of the week for lunch and it's not going to kill you if you don't have a ton of variety. And yes. I started becoming, <laughs> yeah, I started becoming a more habitual eater and, and I, and I started realizing like, I need to find some other things that I have that I get some excitement from other than food. I mean, not that I don't love food still and, and get excitement from it. Sure. But I mean, when that was like the only thing going, then of course I wanted constant variety and I needed like, I'm bored, you know, and now I eat pretty habitually most of the time and it's not a big deal, but mm. I worked on that. That was some of the stuff. It was a lot of mindset work. It was a lot of like accepting some of these things that I thought I couldn't do or that I needed it to be this way or I couldn't do it. You know, I like, I didn't need constant variety. I didn't, you know, I could learn to, I could learn to like a lot of the same foods and most of the same foods, you know, I eat pretty often and I, I just like, that's what I do. And so um, I worked on that. I worked on tracking my food in small ways like with pictures I would take pictures of my food just to be mindful I worked on like mindful eating I worked on learn learning my like hunger and satiety cues um because I didn't really understand that either I had to like learn what does it feel like to be hungry what does it feel like to be because that wasn't a, a feeling that I didn't like that I was very uncomfortable with and um so little stuff like that like a lot of mindset stuff a lot of like uh, you know, okay, well, we're going to take some stabs at calorie counting, but if that's not working, then we'll track it some other way. We'll take some pictures or something. Um, so I did that and, um, it was all the low hanging fruit, you know, like I just went for like, what can I do right now that I can do without resentment was a lot of times what I would ask, where can I meet myself where I'm at? And what can I do without resentment? Because I had a lot of resentment from my childhood around weight loss. So for me, it was like, I kind of worked on letting some of that go as I slowly got traction in doing some of these habits. So um, yeah, it was like the next thing was basically like, how can I track my food in some way that doesn't completely send me into a tailspin? Mm. Um, and the tracking initially, I also, here's a big one for me that I still am like, yeah, I just this is a big one. I had to let go of the victim mentality because I felt like a victim. I felt like I cannot do all of these things. Poor me. I I'm, you know, I'm so broken. I can't, <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't 
it. I'm so screwed up. I had such a, you know, like my, my food relationship is ruined. I'll never be able to like do these things that people can do to lose weight. I had to let that go. I had to let that go. Mm -hmm. It was holding me back, you know, and I'm sure not everybody has that, but I certainly did. I definitely how, how did you even recognize that was an issue? How how did you figure out? Because I know you said not everyone has that. A lot of people have it. A, a lot, lot of people, people have it. But I think the hardest part is recognizing that they have it. So like, and and then obviously working to change it is difficult. But even being objective objective enough to say, I am being a huge victim right now, and I'm making it up and and making it much harder for myself. How did you recognize that? You know, I don't know. I think journaling helped me with that too, because mm -hmm. hearing my thoughts and, and seeing them on paper and being like, okay, like, is this true? Is this a fact or is this a feeling? If this is a feeling like this thing that I think that I can't, like I thought like calorie counting, for instance. And, and I remember like, and I, I was in um, Heather's you know, half size me community. And I remember having an interaction with her where I was like, I can't, track calories because uh, that'll just trigger me and I just can't and and I and she was like okay but what if you tried to pre-track you know you've always tried tracking this way what if you tried it this way just see what what happens you know and like mm. I understand you know she kind of was like I understand and that's fine. We can try other things. She's that I think that she introduced me to the idea of taking pictures of my food and mm. trying that. And so I was like, well, I am tracking food. I'm just not tracking calories. So if I can do this without resentment, maybe I can do that too. And then I started to see like, wow, once I started tracking my calories and I was doing it without like letting it send me into too many rebounds that I was always getting a little bit better as time went on with the binge eating, I was like, I guess I can do this. I guess I just, <laughs> I guess I can. I guess I just was stuck in my thoughts of poor me, you know, like I just thought poor me, I can't do this, you know, and what was holding me back? My own, my own thoughts, my own victim mentality. So, you know, I think I don't even know how I recognized it. Honestly, I just eventually over time, you know, and I absorbed a lot of information all over the place. And I saw other people talk about like, you can do, you can do what you set your mind to, you know, mm. like you, you can get past this. And if other people can do it, why can't I? What mm. was holding me back? And then at some point I just realized like, I think that I can't do it. Therefore I can't. But once I think I can do it and I get a little bit of self-efficacy doing things and succeeding in doing things like meeting myself where I am, then I kind of started to realize what it was that it was just it was just my own thought process holding me back. It was just thinking that I couldn't. I so. love that. It's so interesting with the the victim mindset because when someone has a victim mindset and like they're they're in the thick of it and they might not even realize it. One of the things that often keeps them there is they that victim mentality, it's they wrap their identity up in it. And mm -hmm. in, inherent within the victim mindset is the idea like, well, they are a victim and it's like something is either wrong with them and or things have happened to them that have made them this way. And like the world is against them and it's just never going to work for them. For for 
you to be able to objectively realize, hey, I'm having this victim mentality and I need to make a change says a lot about your your willingness to face objective reality and say, no, this is how I've been acting and I can change this anytime I want, which is a very difficult thing to do. But the great part is the victim mentality takes all the power away from you. The responsibility mentality gives you all the power, right? When, when you're the victim, yeah. you have no control. When you have the responsibility and you take the responsibility, now all the control is in your hands. And that's a very empowering thing, but also very difficult. So, I mean, huge props to you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's not easy. That's like I said, I always tell people when they ask like, oh my gosh, how did you lose a hundred pounds? I'm like, oh gosh, do you have an hour? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can just send them to this because you'll, everything will right? be explained right here. <laughs> right? I'm like, it's, it's, I'm like, it's, you know, weight, weight loss is very, I hate it that it's true. I'm like, weight loss is very simple, but it's not easy. It's you know, I'm like, you have to be in a calorie deficit. Ugh, I hate that that's true, but <laughs> I wish that wasn't true. I wish that I, it, I wish I really wish, but like I, I wish there was a pill I could take or honestly, you know what I really wish? I wish that if I worked out as hard as I possibly could for an hour straight every day that I wouldn't have to worry about what I eat. Like if, if I could have yeah. like, obviously the pill would be better, but right. if in more of like a realistic world scenario, I would I would 10, 100 times rather work out really hard for an hour and then not have to worry about my nutrition. But that's just not the case. It's like you well, have see, to nail your nutrition. I'm not that way. I, I didn't want none of it. I didn't want anything. <laughs> I don't want to do any of it. I, I tell people I had to turn into almost a different person. I had to change everything slowly about myself because I hated exercise too. I mean, that was something that, you know, from my childhood, I, I have a distinct memory of the pediatrician telling my mother in front of me that she needs to lose weight, no more snacking. And she needs to start walking for exercise. Like, and I had just gotten my first dog and I was like, well, I, you know, I have a dog I can walk. And she was like, no, that's not going to take, that's not going to get fat loss. You what? have to get your heart rate up. Yeah. 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 Oh my I, God. I, do you know, she did not know who she was talking to. I was a very strong willed child. And from that day until I hit about 30, I refused to walk without my dogs. I was like, I'm not going to take a walk. <laughs> Fuck that I'm doctor. I am only going to walk with my dog. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I am not taking a walk by myself. I either have a dog or somebody's forcing me to do it oh in PE. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> and I hated it. I had a horrible relationship because I always re equated exercise to weight loss. And if I wasn't Ugh. trying to lose weight, then I did nothing. And I hated it. And then as, as I gained weight, exercise became more and more painful and it became harder to do. And, you know, that thus it was just, you know, I, I often credit my job, my career, trade, craft, whatever you want to call it to actually keeping me from getting any heavier because it was really the only exercise I got for a long time. There was, you know, sometimes times, periods of times where I would be like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to lose weight just at the gym. And then that never lasted very long because it was like just <laughs> nothing but cardio and it was miserable and I hated it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I didn't really, even that, that was the last part of the puzzle for me. That was, 
that was, you know, and it was kind of like, I have to untie these two thought processes in my head. I have to do fitness for fitness sake and weight loss for weight loss sake, like two mm. totally, two totally separate things. And that was part yes. of the process too. Yes. I had to unmarry those. So yeah, That's, that was I love that thing. you just said that. I love because I was thinking about it when I was when when I was younger and wrestling and all that and like I would I would work out deliberately just to try and burn calories so I could lose weight for wrestling. It was always miserable. Like I hated mm-hmm. it. I would watch the timer. Every, it was just it was it was the worst because the sole purpose was exercising for weight loss. But when exercise became something that I do to improve in something else, whether it was for uh, for my deadlift or for my chin ups or just so that I can be stronger and healthier for my wife and child or for my blood pressure, when it became for something other than weight loss, it actually became so much more enjoyable. And I love that. Yeah. Like, hey, we've got to separate these two. You the like weight loss is not you don't exercise for weight loss. You exercise for the health benefits, for the fitness benefits. Weight loss comes elsewhere. I, I love that you have that you were able to separate that because I think that's what allows for a sustainable health journey over the long term. Yeah, well, and, and I started with like how you, you know, the mailbox and how you said just park a little further away. I did all those things and I still do all those things. Like I, you know, I, I, I do a lot of that and, um, of course, it hurts a lot less now. <laughs> it's a lot less painful. <laughs> but I, that's kind of how that was truly where I started with exercise. It was like, okay, I have dogs, I'm going to walk them. <laughs> that I'm only going to walk them. <laughs> and then, you know, I, that was really where that started. It was okay, I have to walk my dogs. Because initially, you know, you'll laugh at this. This is hilarious. One of my neighbors who I've lived across the street, when I bought my house, I was 24. And so I oh, had wow, the same okay. neighbor. I have had the same neighbor across the street all, all that time. And um, he probably two years ago, maybe two, three years ago, he was outside and he was like, hey, he was like, I don't remember that dog. I was walking my little Scottish Terrier. And he said, I don't, do you, have you always said that? Dog? I was like, yeah, I've had him for eight years. She goes, huh, how come I've never seen him before? I'm like, Gene, because I never walked him. <laughs> like, I was never <laughs> out here walking. I walked him a whole, a lot of times I walked in the dark because it was like I was so hot or I just didn't want to be seen, you know? Mm. Or I would drive to the dog park and walk them at the dog park sometimes or something like that, you know? Like, sometimes at the end of my workday, I didn't have the energy to walk them. I would only walk them, like, early Sunday mornings. That was really when I started kind of a once a week. That's where my once a week fitness habit started. It was like at least one day a week. This is, I can walk, I can do something. I can, you know, do something. And that was really where it started. It was one day a week. And that was like, almost like religious for me. It was like my religion on Sunday. Like I get up and I take my dogs to the park and I walk, you know? And that was for the longest time all I did outside of work or going to the mailbox or parking farther away from the grocery store and things like that. There's, there's so much about what you've said that I love, but one of the, the things I love the most is aside from how open and honest you're being, which I appreciate more than I can begin to tell you, but how, how long this took and how, how basic you've made it. Like, yeah. yeah, every Sunday I would go, like it was a once a week thing. And Nowadays, with social media, we hear so much of what we hear is how quickly people lose weight and all the extreme, like fucking ice baths and all these things. Like, yeah. you have to do all this extreme <laughs> shit. And I'm like, liver I love King, how. Eat liver. Don't, oh my God. Don't even get me started. Just 
all like all these super fast, super extreme things, and here you are, like overcoming binge eating, losing over a hundred pounds, all these things, and it starts with walking to the mailbox, and it starts with cleaning your kitchen, and it progresses to once a week going to going to walk your dog. Like these are real, sustainable. Not easy because it wasn't easy. Like you said, it was painful, but it was it was the lowest hanging fruit, like you've said. And I, I really think, Sarah, I, I have months and months of podcasts lined up to publish. I'm publishing this tomorrow. This is immediately jumping to the front. Like I, I think, I don't think I, I know love for that a it fact. came out the same day as your maintenance video on YouTube. What a what a coincidence! Yes, I saw I, that today. <laughs> yeah, yes, and, and I, but I know for a fact this is going to help so many people, Sarah, because. I, so. I, I know for a fact in fact, you know, Sarah, do you, do you have, do you have, and are you willing to share an Instagram account if people would like to message you? I, I have one. I, it's private because I don't post anything but like vacation and dog pictures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, do you want to share it in case anyone would like to reach out? God, I don't even know what it is. Hang on. Let me <laughs> I'm so anti-social media that you don't even know like that. I, I really, that was one of the things that I, I had to learn along the process too, was boundaries. I had to learn boundaries with all sorts of things in my life, you know, like time sucks, like social media. Um, oh. <laughs> okay. So it's my, it's my last name. <laughs> it's my last name with my first initial S Markison, M-A-R-K-O-S-E-N. Yeah. Anybody. And if they message me and say, Hey, I'm from the inner circle or I, I listen to your podcast. Oh yeah, sure. I'll totally accept their, their okay, so friend request it's for sure. S or, wait, that's not even, the, that's not the term, is it? On Instagram. The friend request. <laughs> A follow. <laughs> a follow request. A follow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. It's it's so it's S Markison. M A R K O S E N. Yes. Perfect. S Markison. If anyone wants to reach out, um, is there anything else like that either you would like to share or that I could help you with? I mean, you've clearly got shit under control. Like you're dominating. But is there either anything else you'd like to share or anything that I could help you with? Well, I see when I, when I scheduled this call, I wanted to talk about that, but then I also was like, oh, you know, I was sort of, I took a year of intentional, um, maintenance last this past year, 2020, okay. cause I, I had been kind of thinking, all right, I'm spinning my wheels. I'm not really getting anywhere. I'm just going to purposely stop and practice maintenance and work on building muscle, which that's what I did that I joined, um, over a year ago, I joined the inner circle and really focused on that and and also build using habit change to build up my consistency in the gym going from one day of working out to now four days pretty pretty consistently um and built a lot of muscle did really well and i was like but i want to transition into fat loss this year i think i when i made scheduled this call i was like i don't really know what to do but i do think that i've created a plan you can tell me what you think of it because um okay. my yeah. my um, I don't really deal with the binge eating per se anymore, but my, what I changed my consistency calendar to track for myself is, um, my four days a week working out, which I do pretty well. Um, and then I put it on there, hitting my calorie goals and no impulse eating off plan because that mm. seems to be. So I went, I don't really have like the binge eating issue anymore, but I definitely still frequently struggle, usually around my cycle, but not always. I definitely, I'm tracking the consistency now. I had to let go of like having a step goal and stuff like that. Cause I was like, that's not really my issue. 
Okay. My issue is the impulse eating, Okay. which I was doing that thing where I was like, I pre-track and I have like a good amount of calories, even sometimes a maintenance day of calories. And then I would just find myself, you know, like popping things in my mouth randomly and, and mm. then trying to re rework my calories to make it fit and to work it at the end of the day. And sometimes that was fine. And then other times I was just ending up at maintenance for long stretches of time or going over maintenance and then having to rein it in. So mm. um, I, yeah. So I thought about this call and I was like, what would, what would be the advice that I would give someone else or that Jordan might give? And what I came up with was I probably need to plan whether I want to or not, because I still do sometimes struggle with that all or nothing thinking. Um, I need to plan a deliberate maintenance week around my cycle because mm. that is when, that is when the impulse eating almost inevitably gets over the top, like more than just, you know, like not binges, but like way, you know, I'm, I'm overeating at every meal. I'm impulse eating pretty much all day long, or I'm telling myself, yeah, I'm going to plan a treat, but it was very much an impulse treat, you know, or something like that. Got so, it. Um, yeah. So I'm like, I really just need to allow myself more food, really focus on the protein and the fiber, like sure treats and, and fun foods and stuff like that. Fine. But, you know, no foods are off limit, but I really have to prioritize the protein and the fiber when I'm at maintenance calories for a week. So I'm planning three weeks out of the month, um, a very moderate deficit because I don't want to lose the muscle that I've gained because I have gained some muscle. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love and, that. Yeah. I have gained some muscle. That's been great. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's my plan. And I, I'm, kind of going to do a little check-in at the end of every month and see how I've done. You know, the consistency calendar is great for that. I, I so. think that's a perfect plan. And I think, I, I think a lot of women listening are going to be like, I'm going to do that same thing. I, I think it's absolutely perfect um, for many reasons, not least of which, especially during that time in the cycle, like oftentimes hunger goes up, cravings go up. You, we might as well make it easier by bringing your calories up deliberately so there's no feelings of shame or guilt. You're deliberately bringing your calories up for that week to maintenance. And then you have three weeks of a moderate calorie deficit. So over the course of three months, like you'll lose a considerable amount of fat. You'll probably also build muscle because like you you won't be in as much of a deficit. And you'll also it, – it'll just be much more sustainable and you can enjoy more food during the time in which you're hungrier. I, I think that's absolutely perfect. Yeah, so far that seems, I mean, I'm not very far into the year, but that seems to be going well for me for January. So far, I just like kind of uh, slowly brought myself back into a deficit after a week um, on maintenance. And I, it really is a mindset shift because that's somewhat hard when you have done the whole like on again, off again thing your whole life, mm. like purposely maintaining is, it's a skill. It really, it's a oh, skill. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely <laughs> a skill. It is absolutely. I, I think I spoke about in the video from today on YouTube, like learning to maintain is a skill in and of itself, which is why like in the video I was talking about how the first time you lose weight probably isn't going to be the last time you need to lose weight. It's because once you lose it, now comes the maintenance aspect. And that's a, a completely different skill set from losing weight. Oh, completely. Yeah. Well, and, and I did, you know, this past year while I was maintaining, I had a lot, you know, I had the trip to the um, retreat. I had a trip to Colorado with friends. I had five months of a home renovation with no kitchen. So it was like a crazy year. And I was, 
I, I was up at the end of my weight range instead of where I wanted to be like more the middle or the bottom, but whatever. I still, I can, I call it a win. <laughs> Absolutely. A win. Yes. A hundred percent. It was good practice. It was good practice, but it was, it was, you know, like that I was like, I, you know, I've got about 30 ish, maybe 30, no more than 40 pounds of fat that I would like to lose. So I'm not done. And I knew all the while, like, yeah, I'm, I'm just hanging out here for a while. This kind of sucks that I want to take it off. I kind of want to finish, but you're never finished. Mm, so that's the correct. other thing is I, I have to remind myself, this is forever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Forever. You know, another thing that I've been doing since my mini cut. So my mini cut, I ended at about 149 and it's been a couple months now and I'm down to like 147 just trying to maintain and one thing that has helped me a lot, especially like, cause oftentimes when people transition into maintenance, they'll start eating more and more than they, they should be. And they'll end up gaining weight back. Um, you know, my apple test that I spoke about where like, Hey, if yeah. you want to see if you're actually hungry or not, like, ask yourself if you'd have an apple. Um, what I've been doing is I, I, ba I basically have been having either an apple or an orange. So anytime I get hungry and I want a snack, the first thing I do is I have an apple and orange. We have a huge uh refrigerator full we have a whole drawer of apples and oranges they're just like some of my favorite fruits so i immediately go in and i grab one and if i still want to eat a different snack once the apple or orange is is gone great i have it no problem i would say probably 70 to 80 percent of the time once i'm done with the apple or orange i'm like ah, i don't need it anymore and that has been a huge help for me um in terms of just continuing to to maintain without with because I'm not deprived if I still want it I'm welcome to have it but it's actually it, it's just an easy way rather than going for like a three four five hundred calorie snack it's like a eighty to hundred calorie snack a fruit boom I'm done and I'm satisfied and I feel great that might be another thing during that maybe the maintenance week to if you notice hey I'm I'm eating more calories than I want to I'm going above maintenance start thinking what snacks could I have around maybe what pieces of fruit or what protein or what fiber could I have that would just be my first go to hey if I want a snack I have this first before I decide to have something else that might be a good uh, a good just strategy to have in your back pocket yeah well and I know you had mentioned the apple the apple trick or whatever you call it <laughs> I know you mentioned it before I had you know it's one of those things it's kind of crazy I tell people I'm like weight loss is pretty boring um and sometimes you have to hear the same thing like a hundred times before it really clicks for you and really re resonates so I've heard that before from other places I've heard it from you but even I feel like that recently in the last like six months that clicked in for me mm. because you know, again, like I said, I had a really disordered relationship with food. I had a lot of, um, uh, you know, maintenance was, oh, I can have more food. I can have more fun food. I can have more treats. I can have, you know, and then it kind of <laughs> became like a little bit of a free for all sometimes. And so that I fell into that trap more than once, even though I know logically that's not really the way it works. You know, you just kind of, your brain just switches and sometimes you go into bad old patterns and habits. But that I really started incorporating more now, even just since I heard you mention it more recently. I am not really, I mean, I like apples, but I have started, that's like more of a weekly, I make sure that I go every Sunday and I've got something. I've got a sweet potato always on the counter. I've got mm. pears, I've got cherries, I've got grapes. I've got one, I'll buy one or two fruits 
that I like that are like in season. Strawberry season is coming up here in Florida. Yes, so yes. I've got, yeah. So we've got the strawberry festival coming and I'm like, strawberries are beautiful right now. So I've got some fresh strawberries right now. I, that has been, that has been kind of that missing piece for me, I think in maintenance that was, I didn't really do before. So that, I love and, that. and then of course, the fiber thing. I loved that that episode that you had with I can't remember her name, the doctor. Danielle um, Bellardo, yes. Yes. And that was the first time I had ever thought to like bump my fiber up that much. And that has been really great. Like I'm loving that. So yeah, that contributes to that too. It really does help with satiety, whether you're in maintenance or um a deficit. So that's been really helpful too. I'm a hundred percent with you. I think one of the best things the best uh, improvements of my lifestyle in 2022 was more fiber and, and Danielle was a huge part of that. But like, yeah, I, I think that's been one of the greatest things that not only helped with, you know, satiety and staying full, but saw massive improvements with my blood pressure more easily. Like it's just like so, so much improvement came from incorporating more fiber. So yeah, I'm with you a hundred percent. Well, And my blood, my blood work has improved drastically like that. Um, I don't know. That's the fiber. And I think the exercise piece, because I haven't lost any weight and my blood, my blood work has, and blood pressure have improved drastically over the last wow. year. That's so, amazing. Yeah, I do think that helps a lot also. I love that. Sarah, I, I want to take a second to say a huge thank you for for being willing to come on and speak and, and to share share a bit of your story. Um, I'm, I'm publishing this tomorrow, like immediately. This is just it's such a great conversation. And I, I know for a fact it's going to inspire and help so many people. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I, I really appreciate it. And, and I hope, you know, if there's ever anything that I can help you with, like you're welcome to come on anytime and, and anything you need, you can always reach out. I'm always here to help. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy. I, I always want to, you know, if I could pay it forward. <laughs> if it, I, you know, I definitely want somebody, anybody, even if it's just one person, if they are anywhere like I used to be, if they at all think like I used to, or they're stuck, or they just feel like I can't do this because I thought I couldn't do it. And I'm like, no, you can totally do this. Sometimes it's just going to take a lot longer than you want it to, you know, but you can do it. Yes. Yeah. It, it guaranteed it will take longer than you want it to. Like it's, it's everything worth having in life. It takes longer than you want it to. And yeah. I, I, someone much smarter than me once said, you know, most people underestimate or overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in five years. And I think you're yep. the prime example of that. Like it didn't happen oh, in a for year, sure. but from no. <laughs> 2017 to 2023, I mean, look what you've done. It's, it's, in, it's extraordinary. My life does not resemble what it used to barely at all, except for my career, <laughs> which I, which I'm much better at now. Thanks to strength training. <laughs> I believe it. I bet, like, I bet you get more done with less stress in your body and mind. Like that's, it's incredible. Yes, definitely. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you. I hope I get to see you soon and, and please keep me updated with everything. And if you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. Okay. Will do. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. That wraps it up for this episode of the Jordan Side Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. It really does help a lot. So a huge thank you to everyone who's done that already. And if you want to join the Inner Circle, you can do that at the link in the show notes or www.sfinnercircle.com. Have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you soon.